Hello, and welcome to our financial services podcast series, Don't Break the Bank, Run It and Change It. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and together with my co-host, Brian Hayes, we've both worked for over 30 years in banking and banking IT. This is a podcast for curious minds in the financial services industry. The purpose of our podcast is to explore some topics and questions which we didn't even know were questions when we were working on the other side. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of our podcast, Don't Break the Bank, Run It and Change It. For today's episode, we thought it would be good to take a look back at what we've covered this year, have a bit of a chat about how things have changed and some of the things we're planning for the year ahead and maybe a few predictions too. First though, let's have a listen to just some of the highlights. I mean, part of the challenge, I always, I always, uh, when I explain it to other people, I always like it to turn it up to a bloke whose house is on fire and he's running around filling up buckets and throwing up the house and you're standing up with a fire hose. And he sort of goes, I'm too busy to talk to you right now. I'm filling these buckets. And it, it's kind of that, you know, you turn up time and time again. You're like, if you could just give me five minutes, I've got some stuff that could really change what you're doing. And I know that you, you were the same when we went through the interview process. You were like, oh, I, I only wish I'd known that. And it was like, it's not for what of us trying to tell you, Matthew. You know, we, we did try when you were at the bank to tell you a lot, but it was you're too busy doing other stuff. I'm not a betting person, so I'm not going to bet on one single, single technology. But I think what is ahead really is this recognition that sustainability is innovation's next frontier in whatever industry you're in. So putting that lens onto what you do as a business and looking at it from not just a risk mitigation, but also a an opportunity perspective, I think that is gonna be a competitive advantage. One um, board member told me once after a board update, um, you know, he says, uh, Mr. Lavender, um, this was on. This is in around 2012. It was a 200th anniversary of the company, Mr. Lavender. Uh, we've been in business for 200 years. Uh, we want you to change it, but don't break it because we want to be in business for another 100 years. So that's the proverbial. Okay, you know, change change the engines on the on the airplane while it's flying, without upsetting the investment bankers flying in first class. What's wrong with the current architectural model? Um, it's bolted on, it's not built in, it's threat-centric versus, you know, context-centric. Uh, and more importantly, um, it's based on an architecture of a fortress, uh, of a castle, perimeter defense, defense in depth, uh, where the goal is prevention 100% of the time. That doesn't work in today's world. We need to invert the security model, go inside out. The, the architectural model should look a lot more like a prison than a castle. Um, no one wants to break into a prison and it's very hard to get out of one. And getting out of one and moving freely within one are really the primary um, stratagems that are effective in dealing with today's threat. Well, so so many things there um, just to, to kind of spark the memory a, along with um, along the, you know, the 12 episodes that uh, that we've done up to now. Um, the you know, there's plenty of times uh, over this past year where I've been talking with someone, be it that customer or internally or otherwise, um, and th they're asking me something and it's absolutely been answered by the podcast. And I can't tell you how many times I've referred people back to, oh, well, we just listened to that. You, you want to go back and listen. Um, 
probably um, Tom's being the scariest. I think I think that's probably the best way I described the uh, the episode with Tom's. It's probably the scariest thing I've heard. Um, and absolutely, yeah, you that know, they've all they've all inspired some uh, some thinking and some action to be taken. What I've found is that every time we've we've uh, certainly for me every time I've I've been on a podcast and we've listened to someone and, we, and we've got some you know some great comments there but you know, we've heard from Martin Eves, we've heard from Rory we've heard from Spencer um, amongst many others and, and, and obviously very recently from Violetta at AXA there's always something to take away there's always something that makes you think and and contextualize that conversation um, across industry and across what's going on in the world at the moment and for me that's been insightful um case of tom probably more worrying uh, because i had to think about uh, my my you know my home network and my doorbell and stuff that i hadn't really considered before um which i then did um so yeah so for me it's been really really useful to just get that broad spectrum of um of opinions and insight and to help crystallize some of those key topics that as you said you know, we're now able to replay back to some of our internal conversations and to our client conversations because they're so relevant. Uh, yeah, so we've covered so much ground. We've we've met with so many interesting people over this last year, and and you know, hopefully, it hasn't come across as a as a big heavy selling exercise. You know, people have been sharing their experiences, sharing um, you know w what they're doing and some of their thoughts about about what's going on, and and. You know, for me, when we when we started on this journey, I was really keen to explore the questions that I didn't even realise were questions when I was working in uh, working in banking. So, yeah, you know, what, what's um, what's your take on that, Brian? You know, is, is there is this stuff that you thought, oh yeah, okay, know all of that, or or is it been as enlightening for you? It's absolutely been as enlightening. I think there's um, and Joe put it best, right? When you're working on the other side of the desk um, your time is consumed by so many different things that you don't necessarily get the opportunity to put your head up um, and to look and to listen um, so for me it was it was really you know a fantastic opportunity to to hear from people who've got that strong opinion and and that's good I don't have to agree with it but I like the fact that someone's got an opinion and they're willing to share it um, and that, and that's why I think there's so for me personally there were so many takeaways. I mean that you and I have worked in industry where there's been constant conversation around around sustainability and the implications of sustainability, um, and we probably had you know our own view on what that meant given the industry we worked in, and and it's consistent across other industries too. One might add, but then you get someone on like Nicola who then contextualizes it in a way that you th you suddenly realise actually it's a non it's really really a non negotiable. Actually, this is going to become a business accelerator for some organisations, um, or reverse, it will become an inhibitor uh, for some businesses. And to hear someone talk so eloquently and passionately about it was um, was great. Yeah, and well, and, and actually, I don't know, uh, I don't know whether you'd seen, but um, uh, Nicola has now become the VP of ESG. You know, we, we asked the what does ESG stand for at the uh, at the beginning of that episode. Uh, and we had a bit of fun with Nicola. Now she's uh, she's responsible for our ESG strategy for the whole company. Um, working with uh, with Greg in Octo, along with um, uh, connections in uh, legal, finance, uh, etc. So you know, I think that's um, 
well, I don't think we've had anything to do with that um, elevation of her role, but actually it was really great to hear that from her and how passionate she I'd was. I'd beg to differ. I'd beg to differer. <laughs> right, who could we get on next? Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Well, and actually, you know, I think, I think then hearing from Greg, um, you know, the, the career journey he's had, I think like most of us, you know, you, you, when you start your career, you have no idea that you're going to plot a course to, to get to the roles that we've got to. You know, a lot of it's through luck and a lot of it's through chance, a lot of it's through hard work um, and, and the right opportunities at the right time. Um, and, and you know, in Greg's case, I think you've got quite quite a good few nuggets there of of things that were, again, you know, you could see there was, there was uh, some actions there um, from a career that was on both the tech side, but also in, in banking. You know, I think there's there's a lot to be gained from from that conversation yeah absolutely um the the old analogy around changing the engines on a jet whilst it's still flying is still obviously very relevant that's been around for a few for a few years um and it talks about absolute necessity for continuous fast-paced change um but change that can be adopted without breaking the bank uh, no pun intended um and and I'm, you know, we held a, an industry forum uh, only last month, and I had a, a great CIO on, um, Steve O'Donnell, and Steve was, you know, talking around his relationship with his business and his business pushing him to drive change faster. But by the way, can we still be very, very secure? Can we still be very, very compliant whilst adopting that change? And and that's a that's a paradox, and and, and one that. Anyone on that side of the desk is now um, dealing with. Oh no, absolutely! I thought I thought he was. Um, we in fact we look. Well, we ought to look to try and get him on the podcast actually to see if we can get some of that shared. Um, I, I loved the way he talked about advantage, risk, and cost. Uh, come to me about advantage, risk, and cost, and the, and and you know we can have a conversation. But that was still got the the sh in the shadow of rtb versus ctb run the bank versus change the bank and and you know i think the year we've had clearly um a lot more emphasis has been on let's run the bank let's keep the bank running um and let's do that as efficiently as we can even if some of our um planned change programs um, had to be sidelined in favor of completely different change programs to uh, to survive through um, how how the year transpired, so you know I, I think that whole push around um, operational resilience uh, and and uh, and how that actually played out for real. I think you know you and I both know haven't been in this space for for that for a while. Um, the the plausible yet unlikely scenarios you go through in an operational risk planning exercise. Uh, no one would have got the scale of this plausible yet unlikely year. Um, so uh, it's been, you know, played out actually perfectly for for the for the um, making sure we properly fund operational resilience activity. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah absolutely right. I mean, not that we should we should necessarily like we recognise what's gone on this year in terms of some of the challenges, but you and I both know that you know the planning sessions that we would have held and the scenario planning none would have catered for the events of this year uh, because they were normally around denial of service or denial of access. 
they was never around the extremities of saying, I want my entire workforce to work from home for the foreseeable future. Can you make that happen in two weeks? Let's let's think a bit more about what we're seeing, you know, the the um, the shoots of encouragement. You know, what are you starting to see? Uh, you know, is there light at the end of the tunnel? What do you think? Yeah. Um, so, I, so I think a couple of things, really. Um, I think that the necessity for people to have a very good, um, I want to use the word foundation, but that implies too much around our own foundation. Let's use foundation in a broader context. So the, the necessity to have a great uh, cloud foundation to build out that cap any other capability is never more evident than, than now. Um, and that's 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 the hybrid versus internal versus the public cloud, and we could we could talk about that until hmm. until the clouds come home. No pun intended. Um, but I think that will remain very very consistently high across financial services, as many are now trying to accelerate their plans in that space. Uh, this year has accelerated lots of those plans. Uh, no one. I think has really done what they said they wanted to do. Well, they you have know, a great ambition, great moonshot ambition. That's fantastic. Um, but now they're really pushing very, very hard to, to do that because the, the other business um, and demands and the technology demands around data, data analytics, monetizing data in order to not just drive new business models, but also to create that capability to give you an exemplary customer experience is, is there. Um, I think, AI and ML um, is now starting to become more evident and some of the benefits around that. Um, again, building that on your best digital foundation is absolutely imperative. You And, and with that, there'll be some, some views around cognitive computing and, and the implications of that. And then if it, then more generally, uh, bots, RPA, that, that efficiency, that ability to deal with, we've, we've spoken to some of our clients, as many of the listeners will have done, around their ability to deploy bots rapidly to respond to some of the higher peak demands that they've seen in the past six months. And then the channel, um, you no longer have to go into a bank to, to bank, and you no longer have to go and see people face to face. I'm not saying that will go away completely because I think there will still be a desire to do that for some people, and quite rightly so. But the ability to bank in an app um, and the ability to deliver apps at pace um, is going to be very, very important. And I think that's going to be one of the key differentiators. Yeah, I think, oh, well, it's, I think it's now proven, even though the banks stayed open, the customers didn't want to go visit. So, uh, and, and, you know, the huge shifts, all of the, all of the research we've seen on the huge shifts from, um, in retail banking towards going and, and, and doing online banking. Um, uh, you know, this was the year that's kind of like, uh, unlike any others in, uh, in what it's done. And obviously that that's meant we've had to fire up, fire up some extra capacity. We've had to provide extra capabilities and in some cases, you know, build some apps from the ground up. But, but yeah, I think that that's one of those things that, that we won't go back on. What the one the one that you did mention, I you know, it's a bit of a pet of mine is um, is around RPA, and and you know where that's really going. You know, I, I think I think I, I kind of think it's getting a bit of a bad name at the moment, and and um, and and you know, and, and I probably bring this out on this on this conversation between digital and digitizing. 
Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there's absolutely a very gr good place for digitizing processes. Sometimes that's done more in the name of restructuring and cost cutting than improving customer experience and, and truly transforming. I guess, I guess actually, I'm not saying RPA, I'm saying the word transformation is perhaps abused um, rather than um, rather than truthful in that the transformation um, is is it cost cutting or is it really truly transforming your business to become a digital business to offer services in a different way in the way now that these customers want to consume what's um what's your take on this digital digitized place so i think there are a couple of observations um so I think that when people talk about digital transformation, a lot of people get hooked into solely talking about technology. And it's, a, it's, it's actually a business digital transformation. It's that ability to look at all of your processes and digitally transform. So you know, we spoke um, only recently um, with Brendan and Tanya about blockchain and how that may be a, you know, a key enabling digitally transforming your business because it's fundamentally looking at your business processes. If you look at those organisations that fared better um, over the past six months, those that had already barked on a true digital transformation to drive change right across their business processes. So, so not just automation, but rationalisation of those processes because we all know that there are processes in processes in processes and they've been put there for good reasons, right? Uh, because that you know, risk and et cetera and control. Um, so digital transformation, I think, is is something that we have to look beyond just the the, the technology and, and look into the business as well. Digitize um, is, is in. So I, I, I can hark back 20 years. Um, I will not say the company I worked for, but it was a leading investment bank. And there was a conversation with the guy that ran effectively global settlements. Um, and we as IT were trying to to tell him that you know, the right thing to do was to basically put more computing, more power. And um, I won't use the exact language, um, but he basically said, unless you change the business processes, all that you're going to give him is the far is, is a faster version of the same process, which, is, which he didn't think were fit for purpose. Yeah, um, and I think that's the problem with digitizing. I think if if you just assume that you're going to put more more horsepower into it, more compute power, more capability, you you're not going to get a different result. You're just going to get a f the same result faster. And I think some organizations have fallen into that belief which is if i just put technology in front of it it will fix my problems you have to look broadly at your business problem at your business processes in order to move it where you want it to go to move that dial otherwise you get the same stuff just faster uh, he he used very different adjectives to <laughs> some f-bombs i'm sure um so uh, you know i uh, yeah I, I think that's that does come up a lot people process and technology you have to you have to you know, you're to transform, you have to think about all, all three. I would argue you probably want to add the fourth is customer and what's the customer going to get out of this? Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's to serve them, right? So the customer needs to be at the heart of everything that you do. Um, and you can become more efficient in servicing that customer. But really now it, you know, the challenge is how do I more effectively service that, that customer? Um, and to your point, people talk about people, process and, and technology. Um but to drive change, there's probably two ingredients that, that I'm bumping into 
more and more with discussions with our clients. And that's the optimal model to drive that change and, and the outcome. Um, and the culture, how do you change that culture? How do you drive change in, in a cultural aspect? Because um, the technology, it, it, one particular client very recently said the biggest challenge he had in making the technology work, and he felt he'd, he'd made the right decisions from a technology perspective, was driving cultural change, because that was the way that he was really going to leverage technology. Thinking ahead into into um, our, future, our future set of episodes, uh, one of the areas I, I, I do want to get some um, some more some more time to focus on is is this whole area of innovation and culture, you know, what it takes to succeed in a tech company and how that compares to an FS firm that wants to be really good at tech. I, I mean, I could say a tech company with a banking license, but I, I think that's overplayed. Um, but but I think you know there there are some clear cultural differences in the way um, we as a tech firm are um, approaching innovation and change than i ever witnessed in in fs or, or from talking with with uh, you know other colleagues in fs so i think it's an area for us to explore in the future yeah absolutely agree matthew i think that um if you look at if you draw a comparison between you know the tech industry and, and, and finance um financial services are in an arms race to acquire technical skills. And they are technical skills rather than financial services skills. Whereas probably, you know, some years ago that you wanted people that really understood, you know, the, the way that banking banking operated or, or specific aspects of, of, of banks operated. Now it's it's a it's a tech company with a banking license. And I think that's the ambition. If you if you started a bank again now, if you started from ground zero, um, you would probably build it in a very different way that than you've you've landed your current organisation in, um, and I think that's something that's going to be very evident as we go forward, particularly as new high demand skill sets uh, become more evident: security, blockchain, etc. You know, there is a high demand for those skill sets across all industries, um, and then how do you attract them into an organisation that? that from the outside looks very like a very traditional bank so i think that's part of the challenge well yeah absolutely and well and that's and that is that that challenge is that i'm guessing uh, retail customers in particular want a bank with a bank um where there's they've got that trust that that is a bank um rather than necessarily with a social media company who may who knows what they're going to do with their data so i you know maybe this is maybe this is caught up in the in the fud uh for for the future of banking and maybe that's uh, some topics again for for another day um so you know did you um thinking about your year then um one of the things that, that um that i that i think has been very different this year is all of our events have become um, virtual rather than um, in person, so so you probably you wouldn't have got to experience the let's do the VM World show. But for VM World, obviously our, our biggest event of the year. Um, what what did you what did you think to that then? Being an employee now rather than rather than being a customer. Um, right, let me let me answer that in in in, in, a, in a slightly different way. So I I joined VMware at the beginning of the year. Um, 
and the first thing the first thing I experienced was and it was everything worked right I, I, I came in day one I got my I got my Mac I got my mobile phone everything seamlessly works and you know I came into into this organization not being fully aware of the breadth of capability of, of what VMware offered and I'm, and I'm not selling that I'm just going to say from a day one experience it was amazing because I've probably not experienced that in I guess close to thirty years working in financial services, and and I'm still using it the same thing today because obviously we're all we're all working from home. Um, the other thing, in particular, around um, this year, um, is that we've obviously worked from home. Contact with clients is now very much um, Zoom based, as you might expect, and we've held large events. So we we run. Uh, virtual briefing centres, and I'm involved in those for the financial services, and all the way through to, to VMworld. Um, and I've got to say, I mean, they're all extremely run. It's extremely intuitive how you engage. It's really open. But the bit for me this year, coming into a, into work for a software company as opposed to working for a, a for a bank, is the constant amount of change that takes place in the organisation. And I don't mean that in a in a in a negative sense, but you know our relationships with Nvidia, um, our relationships around Project Monterey, w- what we're doing with some of the acquisitions in terms of Carbon Black, um, what we're doing with bringing Pivotal back in, and now Tanzu and Modern Apps. It, it's it's a richly evolving feast of capabilities to meet the specific demands of our clients, and I think sometimes back to Joe's comment. Um, about getting your head up, I could really help you if you just give me five minutes, is actually we have a, a really rich stable of capabilities that can help our customers. Not everyone. Uh, that wouldn't meet, it wouldn't be right if it, if it met the needs of everyone. But we have a wealth of capabilities that if people gave us five minutes, I think they could leverage our capabilities in a way that uh, that would support them in their business ambition. So, uh, so look, thinking... Thinking again about about your first year um, and being on the other side um, and some of the announcements we've made and some of the things that you've learned, you know, what, what are your thoughts about some of the the big things that we're doing or have done this year as a company? You know, more than uh, more than you and I. Uh, well, okay, okay. So it's quite simple. What what's amazed me is the con- is the constant evolution to meet the demands of all industries and, and business and I can talk about FS obviously um, but that evolution to and, and drive to constantly innovate and that's directly through our own more mature product set but also through acquisition that I mentioned earlier on and, and the continued ac- acquisitions to enable us to to meet the demands of our of our clients Um and I think when you when you take a little step back from that, if you start looking at blockchain, if you start looking at SASE, if you start looking at what we're now doing with Kubernetes, if you start looking at you know how we're trying to really enable our clients um, a, a, across the key areas that they're they're now dealing with. So for FS, if you talk about the digital workspace, so how does that work in a in a an environment that needs to be compliant and highly secure, not just from from a trading perspective, but the many thousands of developers that sit in you know, remote locations for for these big organisations. Um, you know, the the banking app that we we talked about earlier on, that continuous pace demand, 
to evolve that to deliver capability with a you know, unique, credible, secure, trustworthy experience to banking clients. And, and then just to repeat on the on the security and trust side, uh, that that absolute intrinsic necessity that it can't be an afterthought anymore. It has to be engineered in. It has to be you know part of the DNA going forwards. So for me, you know, I've been I've been amazed at how fast we move as an organisation, how rapidly we 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 drive change in our own organisation. And, and seek to support our clients with that capability. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's a really great point. It, it blew my mind as well. And if you think that coming into this year, we had two huge acquisitions that we were also trying to consolidate and, and um, mainstream um, through Pivotal and Carbon Black. So, so you know, I think those have have become very aligned. Um, uh, you know, some products have changed. Some uh, some of the um, VMware products have been improved. Some other products have been added, um, and then we brought a ton of capability into the team as well. So you know, I, I, that side of things I think has been incredible. Um, we've made seven acquisitions in this year so far, um, and you know, I, again, when you look at why we've acquired, some of those you can see. Um, were, were for the talent that that brings and some of it was for products and capabilities to again to enhance or or to strengthen our existing um, set so it's absolutely amazing to see how to see how we force the hand of evolution let's say um what so i uh, you know what what do you find then when you start talking with customers for the first time you know do, do they think you're the virtual machine guys or is there something um you know is there something more than to uh, to that now so our clients are very familiar with our more traditional capabilities around vSphere, around virtualization and around hypervisor you know, our, our, what most would now consider to be our more traditional type of capabilities um and, and that's robust and that's capable and that's if, if you think about the amount of um efficiencies that's brought to to our customers um they want you know they, they see us as that company the challenge for us and, the, and is how do we then exploit that capability that that brings to our customers by expanding into uh, into other areas and when we talk about the franchises within our own organization um and you've talked about you know the security side and we've talked about the modern apps with pivotal and tanzu um and these are all things that really layer on that bedrock of capability that we've created. Um, yes, I think that there is an ever-growing need to expand the conversations into our clients um, and not just in that in this, those traditional relationships. I think if, you, if you're coming from the pivotal side of the house, you, you've got a different set of relationships in your clients than you would do if you've come from the more traditional VCF type capability because you're the, the infrastructure people, which is your traditional client with Pivotal um, and Tanzu, and now you know, it, it's much more into the different leads or the tribe leads or the DevOps leads, uh, uh, even into the business side to drive that business capability. So look, I, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I think the I, I kind of asked it a little bit as a as a bit of a um, a leading question, but you know, absolutely, we do so much more than the hypervisor. And and getting that conversation away from, um, away from that topic, um, has been 
actually has been quite the challenge. However, this year we made such a massive change to the hypervisor, um, probably the biggest change since we brought vMotion um, through um, many, many years ago um, in the enablement of Kubernetes so that you can you can run Kubernetes clusters directly on the hypervisor. You can manage the hypervisor and VMs through Kubernetes. You know, there's so much going on in the way that we're evolving and, and actually um, revolutionizing how um, how you can run that infrastructure. I think it's um, it's actually okay to have VM based conversations again right now because uh, you know there's a lot of new stuff going on there. The other thing that's that's been talked a lot about is this move to edge computing, and and you know I think that's another area that's going to be worth exploring some more in in future episodes around the use cases within financial services. I think there's quite a lot you can see for. Um, edge in support of IoT. This is buzzword bingo today, but edge in the in support of IoT in maybe insurance in, um, and and maybe in in many other industries. But in banking, I'm still not I'm not I'm not seeing the IoT uh, enabled use cases. I, maybe I am seeing the edge use cases, particularly in, re, in remote locations. Um, but that's definitely one I'd I'd like to explore more with. Um, with you and if we can find the right people uh, in in the future episodes um so thinking about those future episodes then you know anything else that you think you you want to get exploring early on brian there's a topic uh again around the regulatory side so we've, oh, we've yeah. the emerging uh dora regulatory framework what does that really mean for financial services um and, and and our and our understanding of that and our interpretation of that and how we can help our clients navigate that that world so i definitely think that's that's there i think there is um an absolute focus around the banking app so i'd, I'd like to get someone on from um, from Tanzu and the modern app team to really talk about what they're seeing and what they're experiencing in the client space, not just in terms of creating efficiencies around the existing apps, but what are the new apps that our clients are looking to create uh, to, to drive that customer experience and their, and their business forward. I think I think security, you know, um, it won't go away. The, 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 the necessity to continuously discuss security and how we do that is going to be important. Um, you know, we're a, we're a software company. We have a, a very you know, we've we've changed our security model over the past couple of years uh, to one that I think is a is a is an excellent example. Of what can be done if you've got the push and desire and momentum to do that? So I think that there's a there's a definite conversation around security. And I think there's a need to have a conversation around the hyperscalers and you know what's going on with Google, what are they doing, how do we fit into that, how are VMware being perceived as a, as a true enabler in that space with VMC um, on AWS as an example. That for me is also really, really interesting because we've, we've, we've got some success with that as an organization and you know we understand why our clients have gone down that road. But we should we should bring that to life. So um, I think there's so many there's so many topics uh, to cover. And obviously, you know, we've um, we're 13 episodes in. Well, sorry, 12 episodes, 13 if you include this one. That um, so, you know, there's a lot um, there's a lot of ground covered, but it feels like there's just so much more. Um, and we have been lining up some uh, some future topics. Be very keen to hear from our listeners. 
to um, to hear from them. You know, what else they want us to cover? Are there some topics we've just not covered? Uh, do you feel we've shied away from something? Do you feel that we've perhaps not gone deep enough? Um, you know, we're very happy to um, to hear the feedback uh, and to see what we can do differently uh, in in the next set of podcasts. Yeah, we're at a baker's dozen. What would be great, as you said, is to get some feedback about what what, what do our listeners want, uh, so we can get those resources onto these podcasts um, and 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 also perhaps you know one of our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. I already so one of the things that uh, that I have taken to doing this year is uh, at the end of briefings is to talk with folks to find out. Well, would you like to come on and talk with us? So, um, uh, you know, building up a pipeline of those two. So that that would that would be super. Okay. Um, look, so um, I think there's no question it's been an eventful year, um, and there's no question that it's not the year we'd uh, we thought it was going to be. Uh, but it's been great working with you and uh, I wish you a fantastic year ahead. Likewise. Um, that was the year that was. That's the way I'm going to leave it. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> so as we said, you know, we'd never have predicted the year that we've had. Yeah, We started recording these in the offices in Staines um, a year ago um, and we've done the majority of them now uh, virtually along with pretty much all of our meetings um, and uh, you know, not sure how long that's going to remain the case. Um, but but even so, you know, I think um, we've we've met with some incredible people, learned some uh, some really good things, and hopefully we've had a, a good time doing it uh, and injected a little bit of fun along the way. So uh, you know, thank you for uh, co-hosting with me this year, Brian. Really uh, appreciate it. Um, it's been great to have you on board, and um, look forward to what we've got got planned next. Thank you, Matthew. Um- I'm genuinely excited by next year. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity um, to look forward to. Um, I, I think that, um, like you said, we've had a great year on on, on the recordings. We've learned a lot. We've had some fun. Uh, we've thrown in some odd phrases with people like Enrico <laughs> with ice cream and bananas, which means you have to go and listen to that that, that podcast. Powder puff. Powder puff. The, powder puff. <laughs> to understand that context. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we, we've learned a lot, we've engaged, I think we've got better um, and the supporting team behind us have, have really helped us do that. So uh, thank you to everyone that's listening and, and thank you to the team. And we look forward to doing more of this in the year ahead. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have only just found us, you can find all of our previous episodes at don'tbreakthebankpodcast.com. If we can help you in any way, please reach out to your VMware account team or you can contact us through LinkedIn. Just search for Brian Hayes at VMware or Matthew O'Neill at VMware. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Owen. Best wishes to you all for 2021.